Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Coach Red, where we bring you all the news, story, takes, and opinions about your favorite teams from the Pacific North Fresh, from the good to the bad to the Mariners. The Mariners, baby. Please, come back. Come back. Soon to be back, but since we are in the week after the Super Bowl, we might as well talk a little bit of football. We watched... The Los Angeles Rams. Could you teach me to football? I will teach you everything you need to know about football. <laughs> I will teach you everything. But Los Angeles Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals in a nail biter. And Cooper the one Cup. thing, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, what a stud. What a MF and stud. Yeah, guy's an animal. But usually in the aftermath of the Super Bowl, most teams talk about what pieces do you need to add to be that team next year. And I think with, with our Seattle Seahawks, we're going to talk about what strengths and weaknesses were exposed during the Super Bowl and where we think the Seahawks need to address their strengths or weaknesses to then find themselves in that game so if you are looking for a cooper cup type podcaster maybe might be the mvp of podcasting you can look directly in your phone and you can click kicking it with coach red and find me your boy coach red and you can find me on twitter at the real coach red or on Instagram at the real underscore coach red. And if you're looking for the most inspirational co-host out there, he is going to get a golden participation trophy that might be upgraded to a real life-size man because the (laughs) MVP of co-hosting. And that would be your boy lefty, France. What up, peeps? Follow me on Twitter at Lefty France, on Instagram at DFrance13. Follow the pod at Coach Red Pod. Follow Coach Red. Lefty. Lefty, hold on. Before we go there, I just want to give big props out to you for nailing Coach Red Pod because it has been a struggle the last three episodes. He back into the thing. Lefty France is back. He was on the IR. He's better. He's done some rehab. He's went. He's he saw a surgeon for his for his dyslexic. Find me on social media prowess, and he is back, baby. We back. We back, baby. Let's get it. We back and we ready to talk about your Seattle Seahawks. And I think the first thing that we can talk about, we're talking about what we learned from the Super Bowl. And the first thing that we can look at for your Seattle Seahawks is exactly what happened to Joe Burrow for the tail end of the third quarter and the entire fourth quarter. And that is protecting him. Quick stat real quick, which doesn't pertain to much, but it does pertain to a lot. Joe Burrow 
granted, played in the wild card game, but Joe Burrow in the playoffs was sacked 20 times. And made the Super Bowl. No, that includes the Super Bowl. So in four games, he was sacked 20 times, which is an average of five per game. game. So ultimately, you look at the last play of the game, it wasn't a sack, but it was a huge pressure, which caused incompletion. Lefty, you showed me the video earlier that showed Jamar Chase absolutely cooking Jalen Ramsey because he fell down in coverage, where another – half second maybe a full second joe burrow just throws throws a ball deep i mean jamar chase could sit underneath that thing and the game's over and he's walking backwards he's running around to try and burn as much clock as possible before getting in the end zone so where that leads us to in this first and foremost it's protecting russell wilson gotta protect russ we have you've, to. You've got good guard play out of Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson. So you've got good guard play. As the season progressed, Jake Curran, undrafted free agent out of Cal, steps in the right tackle job and actually does a pretty good job. And if you can bounce that run game with it, he is an adequate, you know, pass blocker. Dwayne Brown, I think, wants to be back. He's 37 years old. But guess what? Andrew Whitworth was over 40 and is a stalwart left tackle and just won a Super Bowl. So I think you can slot Dwayne Brown in that spot. But I think your key position is center. There was a big whiff last year. You could have taken Creed Humphreys at the tail end of the second above D. Eskridge and really solidified that line. Creed Humphreys was pro football focused number one offensive uh, offensive player graded, and that's above Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was sitting in number two. Creed Humphreys solidified the interior offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think finding a center should be first and foremost on top of the wish list for your Seattle Seahawks. We definitely need a center at this point. I mean, if we're going to... Ethan Posick and Kyle Fuller are not the answer? No, not at all. If we can keep Russ around, he's going to play for... I could see him playing till Tom Brady's age, really. Well, I can see him playing at a high level. He's 31 right now. Russell Wilson should be playing at a very high level at minimum until age 38. I agree. About yeah, seven years. Seven yeah. years. Which is, it feels like an eternity, honestly. Like, he's already been around for a while and still looks great. Still plays just about the same, a little bit more passive. Pocket, but yeah. pocket presence. Pocket, yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to take off and jet as much as he used to, but yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not mad at him for it. Oh, keep him healthy. Well, the other thing too is if you look, if you if you can build a solid solid pocket around him, you want everyone wants to talk about undersized rust, but if you really look at it, um, second half of the year, two years ago, everyone said Russ can't play from the pocket. He got banged up with a knee injury. 
against the Dolphins week six, week seven, and then really became a pocket quarterback after that. And that was some of the best games he had of his career. He's He ultimately is a phenomenal pocket quarterback that gives you that extra burst when he gets outside of the pocket. And I think that if you can build an offense and you can create a pocket around him, I think that's huge for his game and his confidence. When you look at him busting the pocket, you will see the holding penalties coming because offensive tackles aren't necessarily expecting him to break the pocket. The defensive player can see what's going on behind the offensive line. That's where you see the holding penalties come into play. So I think that if you can get Russ more in the pocket, I think that not only benefits the Seahawks as a whole, but benefits Russell Wilson's longevity in the league and really helps build the confidence in his wide receivers because they know if you got a three, five, seven-step drop, they know where they need to be and they don't have to play schoolyard ball. Okay. And granted, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett could play schoolyard ball with the best of it, especially Tyler Lockett. Him and Wilson are like him and Doug Baldwin, just such on the same page when he breaks the pocket. Yeah. But – if you can sit Russ in the pocket, that's where you can cook. Like, hey, he at that point, he's more like a hibachi chef. He's like, hey, yeah. you want me to make the heart-shaped rice? You want me to flip the shrimp tail in your pocket? I got you, boo. You'll see what happened against the Colts when he threw um, 65-yard bomb to lock it. Just – it had so much time to throw six seven yard drop and just steps up and just guns it you know it's it'll be great if we can protect him and give him that time for sure 100 percent. so and i think really bring i think dwayne brown is about as close to a lock to come back is that left out because you don't have a succession playing there and you're not going to pay out the yang to get a left tackle right now because there's not a ton out there to go after and most of them are not i mean you've got teron armstead who is a top 10 free agent but your next best left tackle is cam robinson from the jags and he's more of a power run left tackle which yeah you want a left tackle that can protect your blind side like mm-hmm. michael or sandra bullock's going there grabbing him by the chest plate and saying hey exactly you protect his blind side back <laughs> you protect his blind side which guess what dwayne brown can do that for you especially when you stay in the pocket <laughs> That was just for you, Lefty. All right, number two. Number two. Um, Another thing we learned from the Super Bowl is, all right, look at the Rams. They have Jalen Ramsey, who is an elite corner, and then their other corner was Troy. I don't even know who their second corner was. That's that's the namesake. You look it's not at Joiner anymore, right? No, I was gonna say Troy Hill, but I think that he may or may not be there. Sounds kind of right. Sorry for not doing Rams coverage on a Seahawks podcast. My bad. Yeah. And you look, the- at, you look at you look at the Bengals, and they went into the season. And they got two guys off the free agent pile, and 
one of those guys was Chidobi Awuzie, and the other guy was Eli Apple. Eli Apple, first-round pick. Chidobi Awuzie, a third-round pick. Chidobi played out of his mind. Um, had a couple of huge sticks in the game. Had a pick as well. And Eli Apple will most likely be known as giving up the game-winning touchdown to Cooper Cup. Stud. Like, I can't expect Eli Apple to cover Coop one-on-one, but at the same time, you look, you have one above-average cornerback, whether that's Jalen Ramsey or Jadavie Wouzier, and then you've got another guy that can fill the role. So I think one of the things you can look at for the Seahawks is Trey Brown, Trey Brown goes down with a meniscus injury, was playing a lot like a Chidobe Awuzie, putting big hits on people, a little bit undersized, didn't have the ball hawking ability. Like when quick, quick uh, shout out to uh, Coach Red. I was sitting there with my uh, with my one of my best friends uh, at the Real Big Tug, who is a lifelong Bengals fan. Right after T. Higgins scores the touchdown, I turned to him and I go, "How crazy would it be right now?" Plus, I think it's going to happen if Matt Stafford throws an interception right now. What does he do? He throws an interception right to Chidobe Awuzie. I don't know, but my hand is still a little swole from the high five I received from Big Tub because it had a lot of power behind it. (laughs) Because not only was he excited for his team, but excited about what I had called out. So if you look at the Seahawks, they have Trey Brown that should slot it into a starting cornerback role. You look at, I was looking at ESPN earlier today, and they said, you know, Carlton Davis, which is a stud cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is a perfect fit for the Seahawks. For me, I don't think so. I would much prefer bringing DJ Reed back at a lower contract because I think if you have that combination with Trey Brown and DJ Reed, it gives you so much position versatility to run zone versus man. Or... Take a look at some other guys like Chidobe was a third-round pick who me and Big Tug, the year he was drafted, was slotting him in early in the second round. Do you want to go get an established veteran like a J.C. Jackson who should be, should be getting some big numbers because the dude has had more interceptions in the last two years than anyone in the league? Do you want to go get a Stefan Gilmore who's kind of on the twilight of his career, which what could be, you know, a less expensive option. Do you want to go trade for another guy that is a first round caliber and really integrate him in your system? But if you can pair a Trey Brown with an I wouldn't even say an elite. If you pair him with an above average corner, I think that really elevates your status to the same level that you saw the teams in the Super Bowl play this last weekend. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we love INTs, love love picks. If you love INTs, JC Jackson is your man. The dude has had 15 picks in the last two years. That's a bananas number. That is a bananas number. I mean, if we could somehow manage that, it it really would be a huge, 
your top your top yeah. your top interception guy the last two years is a free agent, and that's Quandre Diggs, who's sitting at five a year. Yeah, I mean, J.C. Jackson, I believe, is at. God, I'm I'm pulling stats out. For, I'm I'm pulling some fix your franchise stats and stats off the, off the top of my head. But I think that J.C. Jackson had nine picks last year and seven picks this year. So that's 16 in two years. That's that's a third more than Quandre Diggs, who's a safety, who you don't anticipate your safety being your team leader in picks. Exactly. I mean, just bring J.C. here. Or bring DJ Reed back. Bring that scheme versatility. Yeah. Um, big shout-out to Coach Red Pod for talking about Ed Domtel for way too long when he wasn't even going to be on the staff. What a bunch of scrubs. Donatel. But Sean Desai comes on as the associate head coach, who's a Vic Vangio guy. Rudin cover two can do multiples. And then they bring in the guy from the Vikings who was their cornerback coach last year and coached at Alabama for three years before that. So I think that you are bringing in different aspects. And from everything I've been hearing, Pete Carroll is willing to give up a little bit more scheme than he was in the past. So if you bring in a Sean Desai, you're going to be seeing more scheme versatility. Is it going to be more complex for your defensive backfield? Hell yeah. But is it going to be more complex for the quarterbacks? Uh, shit, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What's the All right. category next? Let's let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the fourth quarter more particularly. And you look at what the Rams were able to do down the stretch, and it was completely upset the rhythm of Joe Burrow. And granted, Donald's freak let's 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 caveat this you have an all world talent near Donald. you have von miller that was a super bowl mvp and is still highly productive being later <laughs> in his career and you have leonard floyd that is an absolute athletic monster so with that team you have the premier interior pass rusher and you have two outside pass rushers who are very adequate what I say for the Seahawks is you need a stud on the inside and the outside. Me and Lefty were talking about this for a good 20 minutes earlier today. And if you're the Seahawks, you make a play for one guy. But the issue is this one guy is not available right now. And that's Jeffrey Simmons. He's the next Aaron Donald on the inside. He's getting his fifth-year option picked up this year by the Tennessee Titans. And I think that what you do is you try to find a placeholder this year, and then you go and make a push for him because it's the last year of Russell Wilson's contract, and you yeah. show that you are making a push to to get the premier interior pass rusher in Jeffrey Simmons. What I say you do right now is you sign Akeem Hicks. Mm-hmm. Akeem Hicks is a guy that can create pass rush pressure from the interior, Sign him for a one-year, $10 million deal. I don't care. Set him next to Puna because that's also going to sit there and open up Puna because Akeem Hibbs is a guy that is top 10 in pass rush pressure from the interior, and he's an older guy. He's from the Bears. He has not experienced a lot of playoff experience. Get him on this team. Put him there right now. 
Then what I say is you look, all right, we talked about, we talked about uh, Leonard Floyd. We talked about Von Miller. You know who we didn't talk about? Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson yeah. for the Bengals is super good. So what do you? What should you do? You need to get established pass rushers from the outside. And when you look at this current Seahawks team, you have currently on the roster LJ Collier, Alton Robinson, Daryl Taylor, Benson Mayoa, and Kerry Hyder. What I say you do here is you cut Benson Mayo and Kerry Hyder, get the cap savings on that. If you can bring Carlos Dunlap back on a, on a, I think he came in at about seven or eight mil a year. If you can bring him in at four to five, I think that you bring him back. But what you do is you go get a top flight pass rusher, whether that's a trade for Chandler Jones if you could do it and extend him, whether that means going after like a Harold Landry from Tennessee, I think that is also another good thing. You know, you want to give your young guys play because I think Daryl Taylor, especially early in the year is great. But if you can add some interior pass rush and put a bona fide pass rush on the other side, the one-on-ones for a guy like Daryl Taylor, you know, increases exponentially. It really does. Yeah. I'm not, just more pressure it it is like a decoy honestly like you're just baiting guys over that way to have daryl taylor come from the other it's i really like that i mean he's daryl taylor did get hurt but and had a great season really and or the other thing I say is you go after some guys that are first or second round talents that never fit the billing at their current squad. So a guy that I really target that is an athletic freak that the Saints traded their own first round pick in one draft and then the first round for the next year is a Marcus Davenport, a guy out of a small school UTSA in four years. He's sitting at 19 and a half sacks. So you're sitting there looking at a guy who's averaged, you know, just under five sacks a year. Maybe a change of scenery is good for those guys. Or, you know, a guy that I was championing for the Seahawks last year that I think ended up going to Las Vegas is a Solomon Thomas. Or maybe, just maybe, you throw a late round pick at the Las Vegas Raiders and go get a Cleveland Farrell because like Cleveland Farrell is not getting reps behind Max Crosby and oh. Yannick Ngakwe when they made that when they made that signing for him. You know, Max Crosby ends up being a Pro Bowler and Yannick Ngakwe is a bona fide stud and is has proved himself in the league. So maybe you go after some of those guys that might be you might pick them off the trash heap of another team and they really flourish with the Seahawks. It's not something that's that's out of the norm. You look at so many teams like Shaq Barrett had been cut or not cut, but basically underperformed and signed a minimum deal with the Bucks and then comes out and has like 16 sacks in one year and then they franchise tag him. Like it is crazy. I'm lightning in a bottle. <laughs> lightning in a bottle. Yeah, Marcus Davenport would be lightning in a bottle. Simon, like, all right, he he is underperformed for the Saints for his draft position. 
you sign him to a one-year $6 million deal as a prove-it deal, or hell, go get Jadavion Clowney back and sign him to a one-year $6 mil. He played adequately across from Miles Garrett. Or, you know, if you want to spend some bank, let's talk about a guy. No, lefty. I'm sorry that I only brought up Chandler Jones as a stud. I'm going to bring up another guy that is also somewhat of a stud and I think is overlooked by the NFL as a whole. And this is going to blow your GD mind right now. Right. So it's a guy that averages about eight to nine sacks a year and has for his entire career. And it's Manuel Ogba from the Miami Dolphins. Nine sacks last year. They bring in a Jalen Phillips as a first-round pick. There might not be the cap space to keep him. Like That's a guy that could sit there and anchor one side of your line. You could put Darrell Taylor. You can rotate in the LJ Colliers, the Alton Robinsons of the world, and really amplify up this pass rush. Like Let's just keep rotating high-level players and go yes. get the quarterback. Get him. Sack the quarterback. That's a sack lunch. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cheeseburger, Eddie. Hop out. <laughs> what do we got next, Coach? The last thing I'm going to talk about, and it wasn't on the most display in this Super Bowl because the Rams win the Super Bowl and they tried to feed their running backs the rock all night. But guess what? The Cincinnati Bengals' run defense is stout. When you look at when Cincinnati was really moving the ball, they were able to get chunk yards out of Joe Mixon, P. Ryan. I mean, you look at it, when they were rolling, you know, early in the game and early in the third quarter, Joe Mixon was getting chunks at five to 10 yards a pop. And I think that this really plays into the Pete Carroll mindset where I wrote down run game equals championships. Did it calculate this year for the Rams? No, because the run game was not good. It didn't do it, but guess what? They have the offensive player of the year. They have the Super Bowl MVP in Cooper Cup. Yakima zone, Eastern zone, our own. I'm from Yakima. Lefty went to Eastern. Cooper Cup, we Let's love go. him. He's a boss. We love him. Hopefully, he can get on an interview with us. On, Lefty, Coop. not pointing but but Come no. Here, Running games win championships because you look at the Seahawks in the first half of the year. They were not running the ball effectively. You had Chris Carson that got banged up. Rashard Penny was not healthy. I think that Rashard Penny is a key re-sign candidate for them. And you keep even if you keep Chris Carson one-two punch, it gives you a different look to your offense. And Rashard Penny absolutely killed it. He outpaced every single running back the last five weeks of the season. His it was like Rashard Penny's total yards and Rashard Penny's yards after contact were one and two in the NFL the last five weeks of the season. Oh my God. So if you can establish a run game and the big thing for the Seahawks is their defense was on the field too much early in the season. So when you can establish that run game, your defense is more rested 
And the one thing that I beg and plead, Shane Waldron. I beg of you. Shane Waldron, please listen to this episode. I know that it's not the most concise episode that we've ever had, but Shane, 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 learn how to run a screen game with your running backs. Samaj P. Ryan in the game against the Chiefs busts off a 40-yard screen pass straight to the end zone. The Seahawks' average on a screen game is, I feel like, is negative two yards. It's oh, absolutely terrible. Yeah, it's, it's the worst in the man. NFL. It's the Garbage. worst in the NFL. So what I want is I want an increased screen game, but what I want to have happen is keep your defense off the field. Yeah. Get them some rest. Get some, get them some play. If that's with Chris Carson, if it's with Rashard Penny, it's all good. You know, be able to average about 100 yards a game because typically that's not happening on a two to three runs. That's that's 20 runs. It extends drives and keeps your defense rested. And I think that when you really look at it, when it got to the point where they where the Bengals started passing and went away from Joe Mixon is where – the tide started turning. Yeah. For sure. Oh, the Seahawks. Seahawks. <laughs> so close, yet so far away. But, uh, hey, if you look at the bright side. We love them. If you look at the bright side, you're looking at it. They got to play the AFC East, which isn't great. And then they play the NFC something, whatever. But, Luckily, with Seahawks, they're in a place they haven't been in a long time. So they're playing a fourth fourth place schedule. So they're playing the fourth place team from every team in every division, which, I mean, at least all the NFC teams and then one AFC team. So they're sitting in a spot where you're looking at them and they, I wouldn't say necessarily worst to first, but I'm saying worst to first, baby. What's up? Let's go. Russell Wilson, the defensive pieces, the high-end talent they have, their wide receiver weapons are out of control. They're they're ready to make that jump. And you, we talked about this earlier. I mean, the Rams were a team, and Sean McVay, unfortunately, is owned Pete Carroll. Like, they have players at key positions that disrupt the Seahawks' worst positions. So this year, the Rams were 2-0 against the Seahawks. Hey, Lefty, who played in the NFC Championship game against the Rams? The Niners. The Niners were 0-2 against the Seahawks. Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan, in his whole career, has won three games against the Seahawks. He's been there for five years. So when you look at playoffs and all this, blah, 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 I don't know all the statistics. I did not write that down. But if you've been there for five years, that's at least ten games. You've won three games, so you are three and seven against Pete Carroll. That's not good for you. And then you look, you look, you look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals were a playoff team. If I mean they were top league for a while, Kyler Murray's putting everything off their social media. 
guess what? The game, as long as Colt McCoy doesn't start against the Seahawks, they might want they might have won two of those games because yeah. Colt McCoy is Seahawks kryptonite. But in the last game of the season, the Seahawks absolutely molly whopped the Cardinals. And granted, Hopkins wasn't playing in that game, so you can kind of give some credence. You know, eh. Kyler Murray was a hair banged up, but at the same time, that defense eh. was flying and the offense was was humming. So when you look at the division, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, just a genius of getting fired from Texas Tech and then getting <laughs> a head coaching job in the NFL. Interesting. Very. Kyle Shanahan is a guy that is looked at as a savant in the NFL and owns a lot of people with his scheme versatility. But guess what? He can't beat Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, as soon as Sean McVay after the Super Bowl, just goes into the broadcast booth like like uh, John Gruden. Hallelujah. Please. Thank you. But it's not going to happen. I mean, we're going to have to fight with Sean McVay and Aaron Donald might retire. Probably won't. But if you look, the Rams always can match the Seahawks. They've even when the Seahawks were elite talents in the division, the Rams always gave them fits. That's always been the toughest Favorite. team in the division. But I feel like going forward, when you look at the schedule that the Seahawks are going to have going forward and facing all the fourth-place teams in the NFC, they should have a very good spot of making the playoffs. And if they make some of the adjustments that we talked about tonight, they're – they're going to be in a spot to be playing in the Super Bowl again. Like they played back to back. The first one was just elation. I just sat back and relaxed. There was safety yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> they scored a touchdown. I'm just sitting back. Percy Harvin just sits there, <laughs> takes the opening kick back in the second half. I'm feeling great. The next, the next year, I'm sitting uh-huh. there, more stressed, more engaged, legitimately. I sat there after the interception at the goal line. I put my hands in my face for five minutes. I did not look up. I looked at my girlfriend and said, hey, it's time to go home. It's time. It was the, the most dejected now. that I have felt. And I feel that because one of my best friends at the Real Big Tug, huge Bengals fan, give him some love out there because – not only is he a Bengals fan, but he is a guy that will root for all teams. By root for all teams, like we'll talk about all teams on another podcast called Fix Your Franchise. Might as well check that shit out, too. Hosted <laughs> by me, your boy, at The Real Coach Rad. But he's a guy that we are both very realistic about where our teams are at and that's what i hope that you guys get from this is when we when we sit here and we talk about the seahawks we're not mega fan that says there's like gk metcalf can own anyone in the league and he's gonna get fifteen thousand yards this year and uh russell wilson is the best thing that ever happened to the nfl since that's not us that's not us. Do we look at? Do we look through the lens with optimism and realistic opportunities and a little bit further? Yeah, we might. But guess what? That's why you tune in because we are your favorite podcast from the yes, Pacific sir. North. 
fresh and we break down all those teams that you love left and right. Yes, sir. Right for me, left from my boy Lefty France. So, Left Lefty only. France, I mean, I already led you into it. Might as well tell them where you can find you. Follow me on Twitter at Lefty France, on Instagram at DFrance13. Where they following you at, Coach? On Twitter at The Real Coach Red. Or, hey, if you want to go see some pics, you know, you can go, you can just funnel over on over to Instagram at the real underscore coach red. Or if you want to follow some stuff here in the future better than it was in the past from both of us, you can yes. follow us on the podcast page at Coach Red Pod. And as we always say, for all of our fans from OMAC to Chihuahua, to Blaine. If you listen to us in the pen and walla walla, we got you too. But we cover all of Washington. And as always, we want you guys to stay fresh. Stay fresh, peeps. Peace.